Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Today we have a special treat for everyone, a rebroadcast, an edited rebroadcast of the Celebrate Life March, which took place January 12th at the Capitol. It was a great event, although some people stayed away because they were a little afraid of the weather, but the weather ended up being perfect that day. We had a great list of speakers, starting with Archbishop Aquila, Elizabeth Felix from the Students for Life. We had the McGarity family, Elias Moe, superintendent of Catholic schools, all strung together by David B. Wright, our MC, the founder of 40 Days for Life. We had speakers talking about the joy and celebration of life. We're not protesting. We're not angry. We're celebrating the gift that we've been given. And oh, by the way, yours truly was one of the speakers, but mercifully for you, you only have to listen to about a minute and a half, and then they quick gave me the hook and got me off of there. This is an opportunity for us to re-listen, if we were already there, or listen to for the first time, all that was said in terms of defending life from conception through natural death, celebrating, as I said before, that great gift that each of us was given. Speakers talk from their own perspective, and we hear from families, we hear from professionals, we hear from clergy, we hear from a lot of different people all saying the same message. How are we a light of Christ? How do we share that gift of life that we've been given and also defend that gift that all have been given and unfortunately don't all get to realize? So sit back and listen as we hear an edited version of the Celebrate Life March that was celebrated on January 12th at our capital in Denver, Colorado. So why are we here today? Why are we gathered here on a Saturday when we could be doing so many other things? Why when it's cold? Why when there's snow on the ground? Why when it's uncomfortable? Do we come here to this place? It's because you and I recognize that there's a crisis throughout our entire nation. And that crisis was unleashed right here in this building we gather in front of. Because in 1967, a young state legislator named Dick Lamb introduced in this building the measure to decriminalize abortion in the state of Colorado. And regrettably, that measure was enacted into law and opened up a Pandora's box as Colorado became the first state to allow abortion to be legal. Over those next few years, that crisis began to spread throughout our nation until on January 22nd, 1973, that fateful day when seven men on the United States Supreme Court imposed abortion through raw judicial power on the rest of the nation. What began here has led to the slaughter of more than 60 million innocent American children. And abortion today is the leading cause of death in America. So we gather here because we realize there's a crisis, but we are not a people to despair. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we are a people of hope. We know there is hope that is in him that is greater than that which is of the world. And even in the midst of this crisis, even as lives continue to be lost to this very day, we have seen through the prayers and efforts of faithful people here in Denver, throughout Colorado, and around the nation, the tide is turning for life. This month alone, 76 marches for life are happening coast to coast across America. Record numbers of people are coming out and standing up for life, including the hundreds of thousands who will gather on the National Mall this coming week in Washington, D.C. 
1991, the abortion industry reached its pinnacle. They had just shy of 2,200 abortion centers across America. That number, through the prayers and efforts of God's people, has dropped today to fewer than 600. 79% of the abortion centers in America have closed their doors and gone out of business. The abortion rate continues to drop. Young people are more pro-life than previous generations. Americans self-identify as pro-life by the largest majority since Roe versus Wade. More pro-life laws are being passed in states over these last three years than the previous 30 years before that. We are seeing the tide turn and with changes on the United States Supreme Court, we realize the days of Roe versus Wade are numbered. Abortion is going to end. But our work is not yet done, and that's why we gather here. In just the last year, 8,873 children lost their lives to abortion in your home state of Colorado. As we are gathered here today, 24 more will die, 24 more the next day, and 24 more the day after that. And we are gathered here to say enough is enough. What began here in this place must end here in this place. And we are the people called by God for such a time as this. This will end. And you are the people. In 2007, when 40 Days for Life was just getting started, we had this crazy vision that maybe it would become this national thing with like 15 or 20 cities joining together in prayer vigils outside abortion facilities. We put the word out, inviting other cities to be a part, thinking, wow, this will be amazing to see what happens. One of the first cities that signed up for that initial 40 Days for Life campaign was a city halfway across the country from here. And little did we know that one man in that city would change the entire trajectory of that one ministry because the Catholic bishop of that city, when he heard about 40 Days for Life, he wrote a pastoral letter to his priests in his diocese and he challenged them in that letter and he said, I want you each to commit to one hour outside of that abortion facility in our city during those 40 days. And some of his priests were two or three hours drive away from that city but he encouraged them to come anyway because he said there are women in your towns and cities who are going to come that distance to have an abortion. The least we can do is come to be there to offer them hope and help. But not only did he challenge them to commit to an hour, he led by example. And he told them, here is the day, here is the hour, I will be out there myself. That is heroic leadership. And that man changed the entire trajectory because Catholic media and then religious media picked up on his letter he'd written to those priests. People across the country were inspired by his leadership. And 40 Days for Life didn't open up in 15 or 20 cities. It started in 89 cities and 33 states. And since that time, it's exploded to 816 cities, all 50 American states and 56 nations. I believe this man was a key figure that God used to help that trajectory of upward growth. And he is our next speaker here today. Today. because after serving as the Bishop of Fargo, North Dakota, in 2012, he was installed as the Archbishop of Denver, returning home to the Archdiocese where he was ordained a priest in 1976 and spent 25 years as a priest. His motto comes from Mary's instructions at the wedding feast in Cana, where Jesus was performing his first public miracle. And Mary said, do whatever he tells you. This man has lived that by example, and he challenges all of us to do whatever Jesus tells you. Please welcome my hero and yours, the Archbishop of Denver, Colorado, Archbishop Samuel Aquila.
Thank you very much. It is always edifying to see so many of you here, especially after uh, yesterday's weather. And uh, the Lord answered our prayers and gave us nice weather today. Have you ever compared the difference between a candle in the daylight and the same candle at night? They both give off the same amount of light, but the absence of light makes that candle seems so much brighter. When it comes to the support of our surrounding culture for life at every stage and respect for dignity with which God has imbued every person, that light is fading. But it is precisely in this dimly lit place that the light of the truth and our testimony to it with our lives will shine more clearly and brightly. Jesus tells us as his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden. We see this even in our landscape. When we look up at the foothills from the city, or we are looking down from the mountains, our cities and their lights stand out as people who strive to protect human life at every stage, we are called to be like this city on a mountain, to be the light of the world in these dark times. God has willed for us to live. Just like a lamp on a stand, Jesus says to each one of us today, your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. There are many areas in which the light of the truth is being suffocated, and especially in our own state of Colorado. We see that in the meaning of the human body and sexuality, in the goodness and dignity of life at every stage, and the lack of belief in the truths that God has woven into creation. In this past midterm election, some of those lawmakers who were in support of the church's teaching in these key areas failed to win their seats, which makes our task today of remaining vigilant and engaged all the more important. And it is you, the laity, who need to make your voices heard. There are still politicians in the new legislature that believe as we do, and others who are willing to work with us on certain issues, even if we have other disagreements. We must not let these disagreements prevent us from working together when we can. During this legislation se legislative session, we hope to see an effort to repeal the death penalty in Colorado a measure that the church has long advocated for, since our prison system can ensure these criminals pose no danger to the public once they are incarcerated. We also know that men who have been condemned to death have converted and have changed. They have opened their hearts to the one who can give them life. All life has dignity and worth even the lives of those who have killed others. 
The state should not participate in the cycle of violence by taking life, but should instead strive to protect it. In 1957, Martin Luther King Jr. gave a sermon on loving our enemies, illustrating this teaching of Jesus. He stated, returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Those words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. need to be heard by both sides of the aisles today. With all of the rhetoric that we see present among both Democrats and Republicans, in the viciousness of some of their statements, they reflect a lack of belief in God, they reflect a lack of civility, they reflect hatred that has no place in a civil society. As I stand here in front of the Capitol, I challenge you also to be vigilant and remain engaged as the legislature considers bills that could profoundly change our state's laws in the arena of life, as well as how our state interacts with issues of sexuality, which are closely linked with life. On the surface, it might seem like sexuality and the protection of life at all stages are not related, but sexuality is closely linked to our identity as co-creators with God. They share deep roots. The evil one hates God. So it should be no surprise that he takes every opportunity to distort and confuse human sexuality in our society and in the minds of people. It should not surprise us that he encourages efforts to devalue and destroy life as well. Pope Francis, in his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, had this to stay. Among the vulnerable for whom the church wishes to care with particular love and concern are unborn children, the most defenseless and innocent among us. Nowadays, efforts are made to deny them their human dignity and to do with them whatever one pleases. Taking their lives and passing laws preventing anyone from standing in the way of this. Precisely because this involves the internal consistency of our message, the message of the church and of Christ, about the value of the human person, the church cannot be expected to change her position on this question. It is not progressive to try to resolve problems by eliminating a human life.
Our legislatures need to hear those words. The Catholics in our pews need to hear those words. The media today would never report on those words of Pope Francis because they like to put him forward as one who is progressive. But he sees the evil and the ideology behind the so-called progressiveness. It is void, it is without God, and it lacks the truth. And we must stand against it and not be afraid. You are the light of the world, Jesus says to us. We too often, as Christians, and as people of goodwill, have hidden that light. Your presence here today with your friends and families is a light. The beautiful music we hear today is a light. Your continued vigilance on behalf of the unborn, the vulnerable, and our identity as children of God is a light. We must be vigilant. We must be those who are willing to put up with rejection, with anger, with hatred, with ridicule, knowing that Jesus himself put up with all of that. And we can expect no less. If we are truly to be disciples, we must let our light shine in the darkness, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Heavenly Father. I pray that God may bless each one of you. I pray that you will follow the words of the Gospel to pray for your enemies, to pray for those who persecute you, pray for their conversion and their change of heart. With God, nothing is impossible. May he bring you into a deeper encounter with him so that you are a light that will never be contained, that you are a light that will shine brightly in the darkness. Thank you. Thank you, Archbishop. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett. On behalf of the Respect Life Office of Catholic Charities and the Archdiocese of Denver, it's great to see so many people here. And just as Archbishop talked about, we have to be the light of Christ. That was our call at our baptism. We had to be a light that shines with happiness and joy, especially for those who don't agree with what we talk about and don't agree with the truth. We need to reach out to them and use this event as a springboard for the rest of the year to share that light of Christ, to share that happiness and joy, because that's the only thing that'll change this world of darkness. We thank you so very much for coming and appreciate all the buses and all the parishes and schools and individuals that have come here. But today is a springboard, as I said, to be a light of Christ, to use that baptismal light that we've been given to share the truth with legislators who don't agree with us, with neighbors who don't agree with us, with coworkers and family members who don't agree with us. 
How many people here today pledge to be a light of Christ for this year? Thank you again for coming and let's look at this as a springboard and next year we have double the amount of people. Thank you. Thank you, Deacon Jeff, and thank you again, Your Excellency. One of the things that I have experienced as I've traveled all 50 states and more than 600 cities around the world is I have seen the youthfulness of our pro-life movement. And you don't have to look far, just looking around this crowd at all the young faces. And we realize that young people are not the future of the pro-life movement. They are the pro-life movement. They are the ones who are taking the lead and who will bring an end to this injustice for once and for all. And here today to share with us is one of those amazing young people. She's coming to us all the way from Gunnison, Colorado. She started a Students for Life group in her area. She also is the Respect Life leader at her parish. She's planning to double major and wants to go on to law school. Please give a warm Denver welcome to Miss Elizabeth Felix and her friends from Students for Life. Let's hear it for her. Thank you. I would like to start by thanking everyone so much for coming out here today and celebrating and fighting for life. It, it means so much. So why don't you give yourselves all a big round of applause. Thank you. It is such a blessing for me to be able to stand in front of you all and share my thoughts on this movement. I've only been part of pro-life um, movement and everything like that for a little over a year. So this means a lot to me. And when I first started, I, I had a question in my mind. What does it mean to be pro-life? And this might seem like a really simple question. It kind of is. But as I became more and more involved, I realized that it's not just one thing. Being pro-life, there are so many different parts to it. Being pro-life means being pro-woman, pro-man, and pro-child. <laughs> In fact, it could just be called being pro-human, but it's more than that. It's pro-equality. No other political belief holds as strongly to the power of equality as the pro-life movement does. No other belief tells us that everyone deserves an equal chance at life. That everyone deserves an equal right to life. Being pro-life means having courage. It means standing in front of a Planned Parenthood facility and praying for every soul that enters that building. It means starting conversations with people who would rather yell in our faces. It means standing up for what we believe in. Why are we pro-life? Is it because we believe that a life should never be ended by another human being? Is it because we believe the sick should be cared for and loved rather than being told their best option is death through euthanasia or assisted suicide? Or is it because being pro-life means being pro-love? For every life, 
There is enough love given to us by God to fill every heart and soul. We choose to love and forgive those that have made one mistake or many because through God's mercy and grace, every person can still be saved. Pro-life is pro-charity, pro-hope, pro-family, pro-mercy, compassion, pro-emotional and physical wellness. Being pro-life is being pro-science and, <laughs> and pro-justice. To be pro-life is to be a voice for the voiceless. But more important than all of that, to be pro-life is to believe in the sanctity of all human life. To be pro-life is to be ourselves. It's a part of who we are and what we do because we are the pro-life generation. You just got done listening to the first half of the Celebrate Life March rally held on January 12th at the state capitol. That last speaker was Elizabeth Felix for the Students for Life. It's hard to believe she's a senior in high school, actually drove out here with her mom from this western slope in order to be able to share her vision and her enthusiasm for the gift of life. We need more and more young people to embrace this gift. Not the culture that we hear, but the true gift that God gives us. We need people to speak up in their families, at schools, because if we don't have the witnesses for life, we're going to fall into this culture of death. Now, the second half of speakers that we'll listen to next week are Ilias Mu from the diocese, Archdiocese of Denver. He's the superintendent of schools. We have the McGarity family who have actually adopted Down syndrome children. You're going to be in for a real treat listening to them. We also have David B. Wright, who's going to wrap things up. And yours truly, unfortunately, lucky for you, has already spoken in this episode, so you don't have to hear a repeat performance of that. Each year, we get more and more people coming out to the March for Life, this Celebrate Life March that we hold here in Denver, Colorado. Next year, we're hoping for even bigger and better crowds and more and more enthusiasm as we continue to celebrate the gift of life that our Creator has given us. <laughs>